Welcome to the podcast. We are talking about sustainability and we touch on organizations and people that are doing the right thing. Um, I read an article on Quetz Africa and BBC. Um, Gabon has become the first African country to receive payment for reducing carbon emissions by protecting its rainforest. I'm very grateful to have a conversation with Minister Lee White of Gabon about his successful efforts to preserve Gabon's ecosystem. I asked him how did it all come about, how does it work, and could this perhaps be replicated elsewhere on the continent? So without further ado, here's the podcast with Minister White based in Gabon. Hello. Good day, Minister. How are you? Okay, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Um, I saw the um, articles uh, on BBC and Quartz Africa uh, about Gabon being the uh, first African country to receive payment for reducing uh, carbon emissions by protecting its rainforest. Um, and I read a little bit, um, obviously, about yourself and that you've been working um, quite a lot uh, across the forest zone from Africa. For I hear from Sierra Leone to Uganda. And I know that you have very strong viewpoints as well about protecting uh, uh, the forest, as well as president of Gabon, Ali Bongo Ondimba. Um, I understand that he banned the export of unprocessed logs when he came into, into, um, into presidency the first time around. Is this pretty much where it started? Is this where this is how it all came about? When I arrived in Gabon, there were no national parks there were reserves and hunting reserves, all of which, or almost all of which, had forestry underway inside. The law protected wildlife in reserves, but didn't protect the habitat. And and over the you know, through the 90s, forestry became more and more intense. We had the arrival of Malaysian and then Chinese companies. Mm-hmm. So there was a big influx of, of forestry into Gabon. It was about the time the forest was kind of had all been cut down in Ivory Coast. And so there was also a big transit from Ivory Coast to Gabon of the French firms and French. And so things were looking bad for Gabon. Um, I met a lot of people when I was first here who'd come from Ivory Coast. And Mm -hmm. they basically said, we were in Ivory Coast, the forest was wonderful the government mismanaged the forest and so we had to come here we were forced to come to Gabon there was no more forest my my nightmare was Mm -hmm. yeah 30 years on they'd all be in DRC saying Gabon was a great country lovely forest Mm -hmm. the government mismanaged the forest and we all had to move to DRC Um, and they never took any of the blame themselves it was all the government so I and other people started sort of working on um, how to find a balance between forestry and, and protected areas. Mm-hmm. Our, our feeling was um, things were really skewed towards the forestry industry and the, and the forests were at risk in the sort of early to mid-90s. Um, and so I became, I went from being a scientist to being more and more of a conservationist. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up running a, a, a major evaluation of Gabon's protected areas and potential new protected areas from about 
1999, for about three years, I was out in the forest with a couple of hundred scientists. And, and so we came up with a plan in 2002 to create the national parks. And we were lucky enough to meet with Omar Bongo, then president of Gabon. Mm -hmm. We showed him some of the amazing photographs Nick Nichols, National Geographic photographer, had taken work, walking with Mike Fay across the across Congo and Gabon. And within weeks, the president, he, he saw, I think it was the first time he'd seen something new in a, in a while. He was inspired by the images. And, and we had the Rio Plus 10 WSSD Sustainable Development Conference coming up. And, yep. and within a month, he'd, we'd created 13 national parks. Wow. And that was, it was important in terms of preservation. We, we were able to create some of the most spectacular parks in Africa. But it was, I think, even more important because it marked a turning point. Omar Bongo saw what was, I think he saw the writing on the wall. He saw what had happened in Ivory Coast. He was, you know, he, he knew Ivory Coast very well. And, and so that decision was a turning point when we started pushing towards sustainable forestry as well. And actually a law was put in place to 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 oblige logging companies to do sustainable management mm -hmm. um, and so in a way that was the beginning and even then president ali bongo who was at that point minister of defense was very supportive of, of everything we were doing he actively worked with his father on the parks thing um, and, and, and when he became president, he banned, one of his first major acts was to ban the export of logs mm -hmm. because for two reasons, he, he saw, you know, basically when you export a log from Africa, you're gifting 90% of the value of the wood to whoever buys it off you. Right. So yeah. to France, to China, to, to whatever. And 90% of the jobs created by that wood are created off the African continent. So mm -hmm. there was an economic component to that, that we wanted to better use our resources to create jobs and livelihoods for the Gabonese people. And, and there was also sort of an ecological side to that in terms of offtake. If, we, if we're making finished products, we get 10 times more money per cubic meter. We create 10 times more jobs per cubic meter. Mm -hmm. And so we can make more money off less wood. And, and therefore um, push for sustainability. Um, as Minister of Defense, he was very concerned about how climate change impacts peace and security, because climate change is probably the biggest threat in Africa to peace and security because of, because of impacts on water, agriculture, mm -hmm. and so on. Mm -hmm. um, we worked a lot with Prince Charles on his rainforest project, and, and so the president was very aware of climate change um, coming into office. His first big international meeting was Copenhagen when we okay. I actually sat with him in the little room and we wrote the Copenhagen Agreement in, in that controversial climate conference. Um, and so we went from parks to banning the log export to, to, to pushing for sustainable use of timber to making the commitment to preserve the Congo Basin forests or, or Gabonese part of that um, because of climate change, because of ecosystem services, because you know, our forests are creating the rainfall in the Sahel. So if you yeah. lose the forests of Congo and Gabon, you lose the rainfall in Nigeria and 
and and and with obvious implications again for peace and security um and 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 so it's been a 20 25 year journey um and it's been a collaboration between scientists and politicians and we've had two extremely kind of bright visionary heads of state yeah. who got it and 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 have you know, you know people sometimes say to me oh you, you created the national parks well i may have been a catalyst for that but but I, I was nothing. It was Omar Bongo that saw the potential and, 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 and used his political clout to create the parks. Um, but but, but I, I, you know, through my science, I've been able to inform these enlightened politicians. And, and yeah, today I am now a politician myself. I'm mm-hmm. a minister. But, um, and, and so something that really marked me. I wasn't actually there at Rio, the first Rio conference Mm -hmm. in 92. But in that Rio conference, Omar Bongo, in his speech, he said that, I can almost quote him, although I'm translating from French to English. Um, He said something along the lines of, all too often in Africa, we have been forced to develop at no matter what the cost. And, and he was in an environmental conference. And what he meant was, because there's this development deficit, because we're underdeveloped, there's this desperate need or desire to develop, to become an emergent nation, to, to create jobs, to create wealth. Um, and when you're desperate, you tend to ignore the environmental costs. Um, you know, if you go to the... If you go to the gold rush in California mm-hmm. you know, 150 years ago, when they then started cutting all the redwood trees down, yeah. nobody thought about the fact that there would be a, a cost that's measured today in billions of dollars trying to clean up all the water source, all the water, you know, the, the, the streams and so on that have been filled with sediment because of unsustainable forestry. Um, you, you tend in that sort of pioneer phase, not to worry about the environmental consequences. Mm. You know, you pollute the atmosphere with CO2, you, you, maybe you don't know at first, but, but even once you realize there's an impact, you keep doing it because you're desperate to, to, to develop. Yeah. Uh, and I think that kind of sums up for Gabon, the journey that we've been on. We, we, we've tried not to be so desperate to develop that we do it at Nam, yeah, Namport, no matter what cost for future generations. And so President Ali Bongo was elected on a sustainable development manifesto. Right. Gabon Green, Gabon Vert was, 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 was you know, up front in his 2009 and the 2016 election manifesto. Um, and it's because of all of that. And then, then I could take a little bit of credit because of all of the science that I've put in place to measure carbon, carbon plots, and then, and then the, the fact that we put in place the Gabonese Space Agency to monitor ah, deforestation okay. right. from, yeah. from satellite imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, I am responsible for a lot of that. And it's based on that science that we were able to do the deal with Norway. Okay. The deal with Norway actually started 
with a Excel spreadsheet in my computer. Um, a very hokey, I'm not a very sophisticated computer programmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just a, an Excel spreadsheet with about 50 columns and each column was doing a calculation um, to monitor carbon emissions and sequestration within Gabon. And it was, the data was good enough to impress the Norwegian technical people uh, enough. And we then over the last two or three years, we've formalized all of that into a actual monitoring system and, and a sort of a, a more more sophisticated database that you can share with people um, uh, and have audited, obviously. And, and, and we went through our audit before getting this first payment of $17 yeah. million. Yeah, and yeah. so... And so we've we've transitioned from it being a, a hokey Excel spreadsheet in Lee White's personal computer to mm-hmm. being a national carbon monitoring system that that is robust enough to go through the Norwegian audit and and qualify for results based payments. Mm-hmm. And so uh, maybe that's a bit of a long answer, but, but no, that, no, that's, that was actually part of my next question because I did read the, uh, did read that, about validation yeah. of Norway of your monitoring system, but this explains it all. That's perfect, uh, as a matter of fact. And I understand as well that it's based on a formula uh, relating to the number of of carbon that would otherwise have been released. I understood that. Uh, you had a carbon reduction in 2016, 2017, uh, compared to the previous decade. Did that come into play with the actual monitoring system, or is that something totally separate from that? Uh, let me answer your question in a in a slightly roundabout way. Um, 20, 2005 or so, mm-hmm. this the idea of red reducing emissions from deforestation and degradation was mm-hmm. was tabled at the UN climate change conference it was yeah. initially it was papua new guinea and costa rica in 2005 in 2006 gabon came on board in 2007 in bali we added the second d so at first it was red reduced emissions from deforestation yeah and once gabon and congo basin came on board we added the degradation because we didn't have any deforestation but we did have forestry that degrades the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2009, we went to Copenhagen. Uh, we agreed 30 billion US dollars of fast start funding for RED over three years. Mm-hmm. So it was 30 billion dollars for three years. And it was seen as an emergency measure to reduce deforestation around the world reduced deforestation in Brazil, in Indonesia, in, mm. in West Africa and Congo Basin. So, so it was designed as an emergency measure. And unfortunately, we've been so slow implementing it that instead of spending 30 billion in three years, we've spent 3 billion in 15 years. Right. And all of all, almost all that money has come from Norway. Right. And we should be talking about REDD reversing emissions from deforestation, but we're still talking about reducing. Mm-hmm. And now Gabon is one of the highest forest cover countries on the planet, 88% rainforest. Yeah. And we have one of the lowest deforestation rates, less than 0.1%. So it's very difficult for us to reduce our emissions much 
Um, we're what they call an HFLD, High Forest, Low Deforestation Country. Okay. Uh, we don't really believe in red. We we left the red process in 2011. Okay. And we've sort of been slightly reluctantly brought back into it because Norway is very vested in red. Right. Particularly their agreements with Indonesia and and, and Guyana and, and 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 some other countries. So, mm. so one of the conditions for getting the money was for us to to com- complete all of the documentation that you need to do through the UN Climate Change um, Convention to mm-hmm. qualify for red payments. But the way Gabon's doing it is we're 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 looking more at our net absorption of CO two. Yeah, yeah. We, we we absorb a hundred million tons of carbon dioxide more than we emit. Right. Okay. Every year. So so most developed countries, in fact, most even developing countries, most countries are looking at trying to become carbon neutral yeah. by 2040, 2050, 2060 in China's case. Um, well, Gabon is highly carbon positive. We're absorbing more than we emit. Right. We absorb a third of France's annual emissions every year into our forests. But currently nobody wants to pay for that. Everybody tells us it's, oh, it's just a natural process. Um, right. Okay. Um, so we ran the calculations on our reduced emissions from forestry, but we also ran the calculations on our increased absorptions. Right. So not only do we absorb, but we've been increasing our absorptions because we did decrease some of the 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 the, the, the emissions. Fair enough. So I, I prefer to look at it as paying for increased absorption. Um, but but the way the world works right now, the only market for forest carbon is red. Mm-hmm. Reduction. So we've been yeah. kind of forced yeah, we forced the square brick into the round hole if you yeah. if you want. And 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 so in the, this first payment has been based on a classic red calculation. We're hoping that in future we can we can be a bit more creative and and look at the the actual absorption. Because you know, personally, if you know if, if we reduce emissions in Brazil, um, so the Amazon disappears in twenty you know two thousand one hundred instead of twenty seventy. Mm-hmm. Um, the end result is still all of that forest carbon is going to go into the atmosphere. Yeah. We're just slowing things down. What we need to do is stabilize and reverse if we're actually going to solve climate change. And so, yeah, we're a very strong believer in the need to re- you know, de- develop a mechanism sort of beyond red that encourages countries either to, you know, stabilize their forest cover to reverse deforestation and to replant. Um, so if you look at Costa Rica, yeah. we all cite Costa Rica as a great example of forest conservation, except we forget that they totally destroyed their forest and they were down to 20% forest cover about 35, 40 years ago. Okay. When their equivalent of Omar Bongo, the, the enlightened government, realized that the damage to their ecosystem services was so severe, they were losing their rivers, their water, um, that they had to reverse. And, and so today they're almost back up to 60% forest 
So they've reforested 40% of their country over the last 30, 40 years. And yeah, that's what we need to do in West Africa. That's, I worked in Sierra Leone in the early 80s, and, and the beautiful forest villages that had crystal clear forest streams flowing within 50 meters of their village are now sending children to walk 10 kilometers to fetch water because mm. all of their streams have dried up because they cut their own forest down. So if we can create a mechanism to encourage them to replant the forest yep. and, and restore those ecosystem services, we can help people adapt to climate change at the same time as we we're, we're fighting climate change. Um, and so we have been paid to reduce emissions, um, but in doing so, we've increased the amount of CO2 we take out of the atmosphere every year. So, so what Norway is getting is a net removal of CO2 from the atmosphere. We're not just, we're not reducing emissions, but still emitting. Mm-hmm. We're the other way reducing around, yeah. emissions mm-hmm. and increasing our absorption. And, and for me, that's a, that's a big difference. Massive, massive paying, difference. Yeah, paying a country to keep emitting CO two, but just doing it a bit more slowly. Yeah, to paying a country to increase the amount of CO two we're we're taking out of the atmosphere. That's real a real contribution to climate change. Absolutely. And do you think that's? Um, I, I just saw in the news uh, today. Uh, there was Newsweek. Uh, they talked about um, Salonga National Park, uh, located in in the in the DRC, and it says there that it has been um, it has been taken off the World Heritage in danger list. So they did enough uh, in principle to to you know get it off that list. Uh, basically, anti poaching, and also they said that um, any oil concessions overlapping uh, were null and void. So it's all good news. But what you're doing um, is that could in principle, could be very much replicated across the continent, and especially in those regions where you have been already, um, like you say, you have been um, uh, uh, working um, in Sierra Leone, uh, Uganda, I saw as well, correct? Uh, do you think that that could happen? Could that be replicated? And do you think that you could be involved in that? Or I think we have about 10 years of global emissions, carbon dioxide emissions locked up in the Congo Basin forests, Mm. 10 years. Okay. And science is telling us we only have 10 years to put things right and kind of save the, save the climate, Mm. um, save the ecosystems. So if we lose Congo Basin, we lose the fight against climate change. Yeah. Yeah. Full stop. Uh, we're, We're, if we lose Congo Basin, we're heading for a, you know, four or five degree increase, not a 1.5 or two degree increase. So, so the answer to your question is we have to find a mechanism to make sure these forests survive. Um, can we can we take the Gabon example and replicate it across the Congo Basin? Not at five dollars a ton, which mm-hmm. is what we've been paid for the first allocation. Mm-hmm. The, the money, even though $17 million is quite a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot of money for me, for yeah. an individual. It's not that much money for a nation. But what's significant is we've gone through a very rigorous audit of all of our data and our systems. And so we become more credible having sold carbon to Norway. So 
in a way, I'm buying credibility. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, and 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 that then gives me perhaps uh, it's kind of a carte de visite, a, a, a business card to to have more interesting discussions, either with Norway or with with other countries. I don't know if you saw the FT article yesterday. There was a whole page in the Financial Times about Gabon and carbon. And yeah, so I did on. see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Moving away the from reason, oil and moving into... The reason into- that that happens and the reason the Financial Times came to Gabon is because we have that credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so hopefully we can use that and we can use the credibility of other countries like Costa Rica and, and, and so on to to raise the price of this yeah beautiful pure rainforest carbon mm. yeah, to today in the eu the carbon price has just gone over 60 euros a ton so it costs you 60 euros to buy um dirty let me yeah, yeah I, i say that for effect dirty um you know carbon carbon um coal you know coal fired emissions from 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 coal power generation in 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 Europe um and but you only pay five dollars a ton for pristine rainforest carbon that's preserving elephants and gorillas and and biodiversity and it's creating the rainfall in the Sahel and the rainfall in the Egyptian highlands mm-hmm. and it's so it's it's keeping the blue nile flowing and it's maintaining agriculture in Egypt and and mm-hmm. avoiding 100 million Egyptians moving into Europe um but my carbon's only worth $5 and 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 your you know your dirty carbon's worth $60 so that needs to change um Gabon and northern Congo are pretty stable for the moment we haven't started slipping down the de- deforestation curve in DRC there's a big problem with sus- subsistence agriculture the, the DRC which 10 years ago was absorbing probably all of the UK's annual carbon emissions. Today, it's becoming a net carbon emitter because of deforestation. And to turn that around, we're going to, it's going to take more than Salonga. Salonga is incredible. Getting Salonga off that list, fighting that poaching is is an amazing effort. Um, But we've lost 95% of the elephants in DRC in the last 15 years. Um, and and it, it's gone from being zero deforestation to about 0.5% deforestation. They're they're cutting 500,000 hectares of of rainforest every year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to turn that around, we're going to need a much higher price for carbon and and significant investment in modern tropical agriculture in DRC to turn things around. And if we don't do that that the horror story scenario is we do lose the rainfall in Ethiopia and 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 we do lose the blue nile and we do therefore force um Egypt yeah. all of those mm-hmm. Egyptian people to become climate refugees and they're not going to walk south into the sahara most likely um, not no and so, um yeah that's what at stake and i think i think so i think the 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 this deal is significant because it shows that an african country can develop the systems and and be credible yeah it shows that there's an appetite in the developed world to work with us in 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 partnership um now we just have to do bigger and better i think we need we need more ambition 
um, and we need to we need to you know really invest in in the Congo Basin forests, particularly because you know, tragically the Amazon forests are already reacting quite badly to climate change. You know, we're, we're seeing drought. We're seeing a lot of Amazon trees dying because of climate change, and the Amazon is actually on the point of becoming a net carbon emitter. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Congo Basin has actually experienced much more severe climate change into the past. You know, humans actually exist because of climate change. Five million years ago, our ape ancestors were forced to move out into the savannah because of climate change, um, which meant the rainforests almost disappeared in, in, in Africa. Uh, and and that so that creates humans, which I guess created climate change, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is... Uh, an unfortunate kind of side product. Um, But it also created resilient trees in the Congo Basin forests. And so the Congo Basin is is doing much better. We're we're still absorbing carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. And (laughs) all the science suggests that for the next 20, 30, 40 years, Congo Basin will continue to work for the planet by absorbing CO2, whereas the Amazon is going to become a big negative. It's going to be emitting more and more CO2 over the coming decades. And so even more reason to be investing in Congo Basin. Absolutely. I hear that the Amazon deforest is like 50% protected by law. I'm not sure how that is in the DRC. And um... The protection by law won't help because it's hmm. dying from climate change. So they've right. made big efforts to make, particularly this very big um, um, kind of um, indigenous people reserves. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not necessarily very well policed, and so fair enough. Depends where those laws are implemented. Are yeah. they? Mm-hmm. But independent of that, um, climate change is killing the forest. In in Gabon, we are twenty one percent protected. So so. Yeah, by most countries' standards, 21% protection on land is is a quite a high number. But then we have 60% of our land, which is in sustainable forestry concessions, which if we were in the U.S., we would call them protected areas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, the, the, the foresters are obliged to do 25-year rotations. It 25? has to be sustainable. Okay. Um and so if you add that to the 21% protection, then we're up to 80% of the land that's being managed um, for sustainable. Now, we call it sustainable forestry, but mm-hmm. our sustainable forestry is carbon positive. So you could call it for sustainable carbon. Right. Depending on, you know, actually, timber and timber products are worth much, much more than carbon right now. That is not necessarily right, but 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 we're producing we're now producing furniture, so we're retaining more of the value of the timber in country. We're creating more jobs and more skilled jobs, so it, more rewarding jobs for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and our timber products are carbon positive. So you can buy a table from Gabon, a nice wood table, and I'm sitting at a wooden table, mm-hmm. um, a wooden desk. I think you know, touching wood is something that's good for 
for, 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 for human beings. Um, you can buy a wooden table from Gabon and know that you're actually fighting climate change by, by buying the wooden table. Hmm. Um, and, and I think that's also part of the, of the solution. If we can make forests of the Congo Basin, forests anywhere, um, valuable um, through sustainable harvest, um, then, then, and if we can create jobs for hundreds of thousands of Gabonese people that rely on sound forest management, then that creates a huge political lobby on me, Minister of Forestry, yep. not to be corrupt and to be, you know, to manage the forest properly. Uh, and if I can diversify my investors, so I've got investors from multiple countries. So I've got multiple ambassadors breathing down my neck, telling me uh, you have to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. You have to prove that the timber is legal. Your, your forestry has to be good for gorillas because if you kill all the gorillas, our public won't buy your, your furniture. Um, then again, that's a very strong lobby on, on your behalf, government yeah. Yeah. to get it right. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to do. We're, we, 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 with Norway, there we're, we're in a deal with Norway. We have very healthy dialogue. We talk about things a lot. We've, we've, we've progressed in terms of how we do things in Gabon through interacting with them. Um, and it's not a handout. It's not a handout. It's, 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 it's a deal. Mm -hmm. uh, we reduce carbon emissions and then they pay. So it's a deal. Um, but, but, can that be we, done with companies as well, if I may ask? Because I, 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 it, could, I, it could certainly be done with companies, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm much more interested in, in, in investment than aid money. Yeah. Yeah. If, if the UK government, because of COP26, wants to put money into Congo Basin, I don't really want them to give money mm -hmm. to us to manage the forest. What I want them to do is, is do, you know, you know a sovereign-backed bond or something to promote British companies coming into Congo Basin to invest in sustainable forestry and sustainable. Um, I think that's the future of, of, of dealing with climate change is, is um, you know, get companies to come into Africa and invest in sustainable energy, come into mm -hmm. Africa and invest in sustainable forestry, then de facto the forest will still be here in 25 years because we're and if if the governments are giving, you know, you know interesting financing mm -hmm. that's conditional on sustainable management of the forest. Um, so if the forest isn't sustainably managed, those companies will end up paying penalties. I think that that could be a much more effective way to saving the Congo Basin forest than than handing out a few million dollars every year to 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 governments or to NGOs. Yeah, not fair enough. Actually, there was at the, at the CARICOM heads of state meeting, they said that uh, real progress on climate crisis can only be made when the major polluters are made legally liable for the damage they cause. And that means that they have to pay as well. But that's something that you say handouts will not help. Basically, well, they have to actively be involved. Question. Interesting question. I think a lot about you know, when does climate change start and when, when do the polluters become liable? Um, is it 
the beginning of the Industrial Revolution in, in Europe, when they were polluting, but they had no idea what the consequences were. Is it at Stockholm in 72, when we had the first, arguably the first big global environmental get-together? Is it Rio in 92, um, when we create the climate convention? Mm -hmm. I, personally, I think, it, I think Rio is kind of the right place to say, okay, the clock starts ticking in Rio and you should be responsible for your actions from Rio onwards. Um, because that's the point when we realized what was going on and we, and we know, but, but, but yeah, um, polluting nations need to engage. Um, and one way to engage is to help Gabon continue to be a non-polluting nation and to continue to, to, to absorb CO2 and, and sort of mitigate climate. It makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. Yeah, these are the questions I had, actually, really. Thank you so much. Well, I, I, really, I think we went on longer than we planned. Yeah, I, I, I said like 10, 20 I'm, minutes, but it's like, four, that's brilliant. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on form tonight. So <laughs> you are, indeed. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, I enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much. That was the podcast with special guest Minister Lee White of Gabon. You can find more information as well as the latest news on sustainable.news as well as on YouTube. You have been listening to Peter, Peter de Vries. I appreciate you doing so. And please don't forget to tune in next time.